fadeaway with a hand in his face in the air for the win! Yes, Let's it fly, and Carl Anthony Towns drills it at the buzzer. A catastrophic finish for the Grizzlies. Welcome to the Everything's Coming Up Timberwolves podcast. Your home for the best Wolves talk around. Wiggins spots up there, deep three, he's got it. He scores it at the buzzer to give the Timberwolves the victory. Welcome in to another Everything's Things coming up, Timberwolves podcast. My name is Gabe Anderson, the host of the Everything's Coming Up Timberwolves podcast, and I am joined, as always, by Jared Good. Jared, how you doing? You, you know, I usually have a lot of negativity to bring, but I'm actually coming in kind of excited, even with the seven and twenty nine team. Uh, just this whole trade deadline stuff has has got me excited, and I'm. Glad to be here as always, but uh, yeah, I'm really looking forward to seeing what we do at the trade deadline because uh, I think we'll be active. So uh, I'm I'm actually excited this week, even though we've gotten had a couple of rough games. Absolutely, and of course, as always, joined by Chris Emerson. Chris, how we doing? You know, I said a couple of weeks ago I turned the corner and I'm optimistic, and I couldn't be happier with the Wolves right now. Well, there you go, there you go, and as Jared mentioned. We have to talk about it. The trade deadline is coming up as we are getting into All-Star Weekend here, and we'll talk about that in a little bit just briefly. But, of course, the trade deadline right around the corner, and there are two big names out on the table right now. It is uh, the two guys that it looks like the Wolves might be making an attempt at is um, John Collins from the Atlanta Hawks, and Aaron Gordon from the Orlando Magic. Of course, Aaron Gordon is hurt right now, but I, I'm, let's just put it on the table right now. Chris, who would you rather have, Aaron Gordon or John Collins, and what what do you think the Wolves would need to give up to get them, either of them? Um, I'm a I'm an oof, I'm an Aaron Gordon fan. Um, I think he fits. I think he fits the Rosas plan best. I think he fits. Um, what they want to do best. Uh, I think if you remember watching the game when we played the Magic, uh, he single-handedly shut down D'Angelo Russell in the second half, playing him, like defending him man-to-man. Um, he ran point guard. He's so versatile. Um, his contract is nice, like we talked about a couple podcasts ago. Um, Right now he's making 18. Next year he's making 16. Um, that's great for us. Uh, you know, he's shooting, I think, mid 30 percentage. I think he's like 30, I don't know, 35 percent or something like that right now from three this year. Um, uh, 37 percent from three right now, shooting four a game. Uh, and a lot of his, his game, um, he has to be the, Creator, he has to be initiator of the offense. That won't be the case. So his numbers, I think, uh, efficiency would go up. I like him. I think he's my guy. Um, mm-hmm. You would have to move Rubio for him, um, just for salary reasons. Um, their their contracts match up almost perfectly. I would assume that the Magic would want something else, even though they're in dire need for a point guard. Um, so maybe. Some seconds, maybe we could work some magic and give them, um, you know, something like, I don't know, they might want Jalen Noel or maybe Vanderbilt on, you know, two guys on cheap contracts. Uh, they might see some upside that might help them, but in a perfect world, I'd give them Culver and take back something else. Um, some little guy on a one year contract. Uh, so Culver and Rubio for Gordon. And, you know, some bum off their bench making a couple million just to make it work. I would love that. Um, that would be my move. Uh, we can talk about it a little later. Uh, if we talk a little bit about some GM moves, why I'm a little hesitant. But um, right now, out of those two, I would go Aaron Gordon. All right. And then, Jared, who would you rather have? Yeah, usually I like to play devil's advocate, but I kind of I, I agree with uh, Chris on this one. Um, 
solely because I feel like the trade with the Magic works a lot easier. The problem with John Collins is he's only making like four and a half million, so it it, it kind of makes you have to add in a pick or two maybe to possibly make that trade work. Um, we could match the salary easy, but but then we're then we're going to be talking about throwing in picks, um, which doesn't excite me uh, a ton. So I, I think I would ideally I would take Aaron Gordon. Um, the only thing that I like about Collins, and this is kind of depending on on what kind of what kind of way you want to buy into the Timberwolves, is uh, John Collins shoots uh, near thirty nine percent from three, and I think uh, Aaron Gordon's about thirty seven. So you get a slight tick up in the three category from Collins. Um, both are having uh, down years um, comparative to their careers. Um, but John Collins and Trey Young, they hate each other, so they're gonna move Collins, whether it's to us or to somebody else, they're gonna move him. Um, but I think, I think the biggest thing with Collins, um, if, if you're putting your, your Rosas hat on, is I think you're gonna have to tie picks to make it work just because the salaries don't match up. Whereas if you put something together with, uh, Rubio and Gordon, like Chris has mentioned multiple times in previous podcasts, the money works there and we probably can hang on to some picks. Mm-hmm. And, and the trouble, I, the, go ahead. The trouble with the picks is uh, we can't move this one obviously because it's tied to Golden State, um, and we can't move next year's because um, you know if we you you can't trade two consecutive years' picks. So like the next pick we can trade is like the the twenty twenty five pick. And then it would have to be like the 2027 pick. So like that, that can't be too enticing for Atlanta, you know, way down the line kind of thing. Um, and when it comes down to it, I don't think we would do that. And some other team is going to give a better offer, you know, like we're not going to be the number one offer for John Collins. Um, and I don't even want to get into the fact that the guy wants a max contract. Right. Yeah. There's almost no way we can roll with D'Angelo Russell. Cat and Collins, even at a near max, and assume that that's our big three to make a championship run. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's exactly what I was going to bring up. That is exactly why I would much rather have Aaron Gordon because why would you? So, so I, it's just the matter of contract. Why would you give John Collins? Why why would you mortgage some some pieces for John Collins for one year, for half a year, really? And I mean, and th- this year doesn't even matter. Like, why, why, why roll him out there? Okay, maybe you'll get a couple more wins this year, but you're seven and twenty nine. Like, it's not like it's it's not like it's going to make a huge change. It's not like you're going to win. Thir- I don't know, thirty five games in a row and be in the, in the playoff hunt or something like that. But so yeah, the only the, oh, go, keep. I'm sorry, keep going. Oh no, uh, I, yeah, I was just going to say that. Also, I, I think that Aaron Gordon is a better fit for this team. I I I I have liked him ever since um, the Magic drafted him, and of course, uh, to have two guys on this team who can throw down uh, um, Sports Center top ten dunks, and Anthony Edwards and um, Aaron Gordon would be fun. But yeah, go go ahead, Chris. I think I think people are going to be surprised at how little John Collins gets traded for, for the reason you just said, because it's just a rental. Basically, all you're doing is you're you're buying the right to have his bird rights. To ma- he's going to be a restricted free agent, so he might want a max. And you know what? I want a max too, but um, I don't think he's going to get a max. What I think any smart team, whoever trades for him, is going to say, okay, well, John, go out on the free agent market, and you get whatever offer you can get, and then you know we'll be here to match it. And most teams aren't going to tie up, you know, max contract money in free agency and wait for the other team. They've got, you know, a week, 10 days to match it or something like that. Teams hate having that money tied up when free agents are being being signed all over the place. So more than likely, someone's going to give them a little bit of, uh, you know, give up maybe a, a, a mid first round or a heavy protected first. You're going to get John Collins. And I could see him signing for like a Malik Beasley type contract. And if that's the case, you know, maybe I could, maybe I would stomach it. But 
I don't know. I also could see John Collins saying, you know, I'll just take my one-year tender and be a, a clear free agent the year after. So I don't know. It's going to be interesting to see what happens. Right, and that's why that's why I feel like it's a better it's a better gamble with Aaron Gordon, even though he has that injury problems. Like you, you know exactly. Like he's going to be on your team for sure next year. Like, yeah. like he's absolutely like under contract next year, and it's a it's a it's a pretty good contract, as you said. It's a descending contract, but yeah. So I think we all agree that Aaron Gordon would be the way uh, to feel uh, to go with this team, and we'll we'll talk about other guys that we want to pick up. But I want to bring up this uh, Gerson Rosas um, is the head honcho here in Minnesota. How do how do you guys think that Rosas? Is his plan working so far, or do you think that that maybe even things beyond his control are 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 just not clicking for? Do you do you still trust in Rosas's plan? And we'll start with you, Jared. Yeah, I was actually just going to chime in on this, so it's a perfect transition. But um, yeah, so like like Rosas. Like, we knew going into this, I mean, all three of us had said, this team is incomplete, and, and Chris has said it multiple times, we're going to be active at the deadline. And this is what Rosas is looking forward to. I don't think Rosas is heading into the trade deadline scared. I think he's heading in prepared. He's got a he's got a Rubio contract that he can move to buyers. Um, I know one team that was actively reported recently is the Toronto Raptors, um, mm-hmm. and that would be a, a multiple, multiple team deal, I think, involving probably the Magic and the 76ers because uh, it seems to be that Lowry wants to go to the Sixers and that seems to be a good fit. You could see guys like Simmons be moved. You could see all kinds of things go on. This is going to be a crazy trade, trade deadline. But both Rosas is... This is where he makes his, this is where he makes his money. Like, this is what he was brought on this team to do. And he's going in prepared. Like, he's not going in being like, oh, we need to make a move because we suck. No, he's going in with a full spreadsheet of options. And I think that's the biggest takeaway I have with Rosas is he's going into this trade deadline prepared. I mean, trade deadline is March 25th. So he's got, I don't know what the date is today, maybe the 4th, but he's got like 20 days to work with, uh, with with his spreadsheet, and, and we're going to see what he does, and and we're going to be active. If, if nothing works out, nothing works out. But believe we're going to try. Yeah. It, it, is there honestly for an NBA fan? Is there a more fun day than than the trade deadline? Like it, it's it's honestly for NBA fans, it's Christmas morning. And you're right, actually. Uh, exactly twenty days from now, March twenty fifth. Will is the trade deadline. So, uh, so Chris, what do you think? Do you still trust Rosas? Do you still trust his plan or are things kind of slipping out of his hands? Is he kind of dropping the ball? So I'm a, as I've talked about quite a few times, um, how a team is run and how a GM runs a team is, is one of the main reasons why I, I like following teams and I'll, I will follow a basketball team specifically because I like what they've done for the last couple drafts and in free agency and in the trades. Um, so Rosas, I mean, I, I think, like, if you look at the wins and losses, I don't think Rosas cares at all. I don't think he's looked at the wins and losses once this season. I think all he's been looking at is waiting for his opportunity to get the coach he wanted from the start and waiting for his opportunity to get to the trade deadline and waiting for his opportunity to get to the offseason when he can make trades again. Um, so what Rosas has always said he wants to do is go big game hunting. That's, I mean, he's mentioned it quite a few times. You know, he went and he got D'Lo, so that was one of his big game hunting. And then he said he's not done yet. So he wants to bring in a big contract. And what you need if you bring in a big contract is guys that are decent or rotational or are playing on upside on tiny contracts. If you don't have that, then you're going to be terrible. And what we have right now because of Rosas and what he's done is we've got Nas Reed, Jaden McDaniels, Jared Vanderbilt, Jordan McLaughlin, and if you believe in them or not, Jalen Noel. So that's one, two, three, four, five guys, right? 
five guys that are all solid rotational guys, some of them with great upside. I think Nas is great upside. I think McDaniels is great upside. Um, McLaughlin is definitely a solid backup. I mean, these are good rotational guys. All five of those guys combined right now are making $7.5 million a year total for five guys. That's what you need. And with guys like Nas and, and uh, McDaniels, who are probably the best two out of those two, those, those guys are – Nas is signed for under $2 million for the next three years, and McDaniels is at two and a half for the next four. Well, I guess including this year, so for four years. So those guys are going to be on pennies kind of deals. That's That gives you the ability to go and get some big money, guys. And now let's let's not forget the elephant in the room. The fact that we've been so terrible, we've got a 40% chance at a top three pick. Mm-hmm. So now you add a guy like you add a Cade Cunningham and Evan Mobley, uh, you know, Kermunga, uh, or I can't say his name, something like that. Um, you add a, a stud like that to this roster, everything changes, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and but. That's what I'm scared about. That's what I was going to say earlier with this whole trade deadline thing. I think Rosas has got got to really think because if let's say we get that first pick, if we don't have Rubio's contract to trade at that point, um, that means we're keeping that player. I'm not sure Rosas wants to keep wants to bring in another 19 year old. Um, I think in a perfect world he would move that first pick and Rubio. For or maybe even that first pick, Rubio, and maybe even Edwards for like a Ben Simmons, you know, or some big knocker. So without that Rubio contract, we can't do that. So it's going to be interesting to see see what his motives are at this deadline. Does he want to move Rubio, or is he thinking of that as a huge trade asset? But that only works if we get that 40% chance at that top pick. So... It's going to be fun, you know, and like you said, Jared, like it's not going to be for lack of effort. If we don't make moves, it's not for lack of effort. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and yeah, I, I totally trust Rosas too. Like with he seems like someone who's a go getter and and out to try to try to make moves and, and try to reel in the big fish. That's why I, I would I would ask you, Chris. So. When you're thinking about it, would you take that risk on Aaron Gordon, like giving up the Rubio contract? Personally, would you do that or no? You know, um, I think I would. I think I would do it because of this. I think I would trade, let's say, so I don't love the idea of of three max guys. I think the, I think if you have three max guys on your roster – um, like, like I was saying, guys like McDaniels, Nas, Vanderbilt, those guys in a couple years are going to need contracts and you're going to have to let them walk because you won't be able to support them. Um, so if you, if you go with a guy like Aaron Gordon, let's say, and you keep him, sign him long term at, you know, 17, 18 million long term instead of 35 for a max guy, I think you've got a lot more wiggle room. So yeah, I would use it. And then if you want to trade that first pick, you could package him, Culver, and maybe, um, like, you could put in all your bad contracts you don't want. You could put in Culver. You could put in, um, uh, what's his name, Wancho. Um, you could get anyone really on your roster that you don't want to pay their contract. Add that top pick to it and maybe get, like, you know, a guy that was the third pick two years ago, or like get a Kobe White or something like that. Like you could get a guy who's still on his rookie deal. Um, I don't know. You you can make some moves. Uh, I think I would. I think that's what I would do. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's interesting there. Uh, so one thing, and we can talk about this as much as you guys want to talk about it, or as little as you want to talk about. It, but we got to talk about it. Something that did happen this week. Uh, it appears that. Kevin Garnett is not going to be the new owner or part of the ownership group for the for the Minnesota Timberwolves. Uh, it appears that according to um, according to Glenn Taylor, he was never even an option. But uh, according to Kevin Garnett, he was 
a huge option. Uh, but so, so who do you, who do you believe, Jared? Who do you believe? Do you think that Glenn Taylor is just, I don't know, just talking, just trying to minimize the situation by saying, yeah, KG was never the op- an option or, or is this KG overreacting or, or what, what do you think on this situation? Uh, it's, it's kind of a, a crummy situation for Minnesota fans as, as everybody's loved KG and, and we talked about this, um, and we might have not talked about it here, but I know we've talked about it on our page together. Um, Garnett and his, his group is what they call it, is Garnett and his group. They were always not positive they had enough money. And they they needed outside buyers. It wasn't just going to be KG. It was going to be a group of people to to get this done to buy portions of the Timberwolves, basically. But I also think it has something to do with with Glenn Taylor kind of maybe overvaluing the franchise. I mean, I don't know what a franchise is worth nowadays. Um, I know the Clippers sold for an obscene amount of money a few years back, but. Where the Timberwolves were seven and twenty nine, we have you know we've been in the playoffs once since two thousand four. I mean, I, I don't know what our franchise is worth. I'm not I'm not in the room to say I'm, I own the Timberwolves. And I'm going to sell them for for this amount of money. But I also think that the money was kind of lacking on the KG group. Um, some some places had reported that that they needed help to get the KG the KG group guys um, to have enough money to buy the franchise. And then other people said, oh, that's not the case. So it was kind of a lot of smoke screen, I think. I think KG got to a point where he, he got to a point where he said, I'm out. And then he kind of just lashed out on, I think it was Instagram or something, but he had, he had a post that was kind of, kind of lashing out at him. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Chris, I, I think I know your take on the whole situation considering yeah. your thoughts on KG, but, but go ahead. What's your thoughts on, on this? Well, I mean, what I think is important for fans to do when you're when you're thinking about this is look at it logically. Like, don't look at it on who you cheered for in 1998. You know, don't look at it about whose poster was hanging on your wall. Look at it as a business. This is a business. You know, this isn't Glenn Taylor doesn't collect basketball cards. He runs a business and. The Timberwolves are reportedly worth between 1.5 or 1.3 and 1.5 billion dollars. And billions of dollars are crazy to think of. Um, and just that number's crazy. It's a a billion dollars is a thousand millions. Like that's a lot. KG's total net worth, reported total net worth is 150 million dollars. So. $150 $150 million is all the money KG supposedly could ever gather together. And he needs to, he's, he would fall short by 900, no, by 1,300 different millions. You know what I mean? Like he's way off. Right. He's not even in the spectrum. So the money's not there. And Glenn Taylor doesn't owe him anything. Like, the fact that he was a great player for him doesn't mean he has to sell his team to them. Like, think about how ridiculous that sounds. Like, this team is worth $1.3 billion. It's like saying if Glenn Taylor is a great owner, so he should get to play for the Timberwolves. No, he shouldn't get to play for the Timberwolves because he's not a great player. Kevin Garnett's not a great businessman. You know, this is a businessman world we're playing in. Um it, it was silly. And what, what was embarrassing is if Kevin Garnett in his little rant with emojis and um, slang and whatever he wanted to put in there, um, you know, calling the owner, like cryptically calling the owner names and stuff. He at the end, he said that he wants to, you know, well, maybe Seattle or maybe some other team like so that kind of act and you think you're going to be taken seriously to buy another billion-dollar organization? Like, acting like a child, lashing out like that? You think that somebody's going to be like, yeah, that's who I want as a face of my billion-dollar organization? Like, mm-hmm. come on, man. Like, you're – how old is he? 40-something? I mean, this is silly. Like, it's it's time to – 
it's time to understand that Kevin Garnett was a great player, and, and that's fine. You know, his 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 jersey should be in the rafters, and that's beautiful. It should be. He's he was the best ever. Um, but when it comes to business, nobody owes you anything in the world of business. Right. Right. Yeah, I I totally agree. And like you were saying, KG does really look like a child <laughs> in this situation, and you hate and and it's sad too because. It's sad that that it's come to this. Uh, whatever feud is between him and the owner of the Timberwolves, Glenn Taylor, like it's sad that you're that the owner that you've had for most of your time and you're like the one franchise player you've ever had. Well, you can say Cat, you can debate it, but I don't think Cat's there yet. The oh, yeah. one player who's brought you success. It's sad that it's come to this. That is, like you said, his jersey isn't in the rafters. Um, there's, uh, there, there's bad blood on each side. Like that's, that's not what any Wolves fan want because they grew up, they, they grew up idolizing this guy. They grew up loving this guy. And the, the fact that it's just a mess. And uh, honestly, like, I, I know it's tough to do, but I think one of the first things whoever ends up owning this team should do is try to extend it all of grants to KG and get his jersey in the rafters. Cause I don't think it's going to happen under the Glenn Taylor watch. You know what's crazy to me is is like I remember like growing up playing basketball. We we would we get our we'd have Jersey Day and everyone wanted to be everyone wanted twenty one. Everyone wanted everyone wanted to be KG on the floor when they picked their jersey. That was that was the hot number. Like nobody wanted to be Michael Jordan. Nobody wanted to be any other. It was in Minnesota if you played basketball, the number you wanted was twenty one because that was KG. Mm-hmm. For sure. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it's the reason it's not up in the rafters has nothing to do with Glenn Taylor. I mean, I guess I won't say that. Glenn Taylor has said um, he would do a ceremony tomorrow if KG shows up. You know, like, it's all on KG not wanting to show up. And and his reasons, you know, are his reasons. Supposedly, Glenn Taylor said that when when KG waived his no-trade clause to come from the Nets um here and Glenn Taylor paid him another ten million dollars to play about ten minutes a game. Um he said that him and Flip would have you know put together some sort of ownership package and mm-hmm. KG would have been some sort of front office something or another and then when Flip passed away um Glenn Taylor backed out on that. But again, this is business, KG. Like this is the world of business, and if it's not in writing, like I'm sorry, man, like it's not real. Like every you learn that at a young age as a child. Like if it's not in writing, dude, it's not real. So right. it's sad, like you said, it's a sad thing, but you know, whatever. KG, KG's KG. You know, that's who he is. And, and in reality, let's say let's say it worked out and he was the owner. Is KG really the guy that you want out? Like in press conferences, making speeches and talking on behalf of a $1.5 billion organization? No. <laughs> I don't know. Not me. Right. Not yeah. if I'm a shareholder. Not if I'm a billion-dollar or million-dollar shareholder. That's not who I want. If I'm a fan, right. yes, I do. Right. Like And like you said, there's a difference between, like, a position in the front office, like, they're the position in the front office and the owner of a team. Like, like, like you said, they were trying to. By the way, there's a. I forget what channel it's on, but there's a great video on this online. Just look up Timberwolves Glenn Taylor, um, um, Glenn Taylor, uh, Kevin Garnett. There, there's a. It explains the whole thing. But yeah, it's it's a sad situation, and it's funny that you mentioned the Timberwolves are worth what was it, one point five billion dollars. Well, they're saying that the Jazz recently sold for like 1.3, and they're saying that Minnesota would uh, – supposedly Glenn Taylor got an offer above that um, and turned it down because the t- they were going to move the team. That's another thing, people. People love to hate Glenn Taylor. They really if, – if you love the Timberwolves, then you, you, you almost can't hate Glenn Taylor because he's the only reason the Timberwolves exist. If it wasn't for him – they would be the Seattle Supersonics or something like that. Like you wouldn't be cheering for the Timberwolves. So like, watch watch what you hate, man. You know. Right. Right. And and I I think it's so easy to to just pile on Taylor because the team has been so bad and maybe he hasn't made the best like uh, team player moves. But 
I you like you said, the team's still here. Um so he's gotta be doing something right. Um I mean and, he put uh, his neck out there and he hired a, a Hall of Fame coach in Rick Adelman. That didn't work out. The next thing he went with is he went with or you know, a little bit later he went with Tom Thibodeau, which was like the hottest, most expensive guy. He gave that a shot. It's not for, for a lack of effort, you know, like he's mm-hmm. tried. It just hasn't worked out, you know, like right. we miss out on Kyrie Irvin and we get Derek Williams. Yeah, that's going to hurt your franchise, you know, like right. things happen. And even you, you say it, it now working out um, under Adelman, at least, I mean, that team was competitive. I mean, they were like 40 and 42, which by Timberwolf standards isn't bad. So it's not like it was a total train wreck um, with them. But, yeah, absolutely. So where I was going with that is it's worth $1.5 million. But really? Oh, sorry, yeah. <laughs> if it was 1.5, then, yeah, maybe million, then maybe KG can buy it. But um, you, we have just we, – we passed a milestone with our loss to the New Orleans Pelicans – we are now the worst all time in men's major sports have the worst win percentage. I say if you're going to be bad, why not be historically bad? That's what I'm saying. Yeah. At uh, least Oh, go ahead, Jared. Uh, I was just going to say like so so I, I brought up something to when I was just talking to somebody the other day and I said you know, you have to be a tough person to live in Minnesota. Not only, like, be a Minnesota sports fan. Like, look at look at any of our teams. Like, I wrote a huge article a few years back about about how the drought is what I called it. And there's been a 29-year championship drought in Minnesota as long as I've been alive. And you had that being, like, a diehard sports fan in Minnesota, and then you would pile on the, the cold winters. Like, there's some tough people that like sports in Minnesota. Like, you have to be a tough person to live in Minnesota and be a sports fan. Yep, absolutely. So I, I wonder what's worse, though. Like, being a Vikings fan and they're – and, and like they'll break your heart like in the NFC Championship game, or being a Wolves fan where it just all falls apart like within the first forty games, and you can tune out anyway. Uh, it's kind of it's kind of pick your poison with that one. Uh, but yeah, so the Wolves they are the worst team ever. But you know there's still time to turn that around. Maybe we have some good cat years ahead. And uh, yeah. Yeah, so um so okay, so let's kind of go back to where um the the trade deadline and kind of players. So what so so let let's look at it this way. What what players that we currently have do you want I mean other than Cat obviously cuz I I would assume and maybe not. Maybe not. You feel free to go off that. What players do you want on this team long term and which ones are you cool with? Which with showing the door, and we'll start with you, Chris. And then also, what other what what other guys like trade deadline wise do you think the Wolves could make a move at be beyond Aaron Gordon or like the John Collins kind of thing? So I mean, it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting because Rosas, much like he did with uh, Vanderbilt and uh, Beasley, he he might be scouting some guys that you know are deep on talented rosters, benches that he might take a shot for. So, I mean, there might be guys out there that, I don't know, that, I mean, guys that aren't playing that are great, you know, that he might take a shot at. So that that's what I think we might also see. But guys that stick with the team, I mean, Towns, I believe in D'Angelo Russell. Um, I'm a big fan. And more importantly, um, I think – I don't think we can bring in a talent similar to him. Like, Mm -hmm. I don't – when's the last time we've had a guy who's been an all-star at the age of 23 on our team? You know, like, that's not a – that's not something that we're, we're, you know, rich in, those sort of things. So I would say Beasley, you know, Beasley's at – looking to be one of the best contracts in the NBA right now, averaging about $14 a year. So if you go Towns, Russell, Beasley – Anthony Edwards, um, those are the guys I want to keep mainly. And then I really would like to hold on to Nas Reed and Jaden McDaniels. Um, mm-hmm. I'm, I know I've, it's a broken record, but I think Nas Reed legit has a chance to be, at the very least, a starting level center. Like, a, like by starting level, I mean 
15 teams in the league he could start for. Like, I think he has that sort of potential, if not better. Um, he's just, he's just kind of got a little bit of everything. And the way that he's defending the rim this year, I mean, he's blocking, t- like, if, if you're driving and he's in there, it's going to be blocked. Like, I'm pretty, I'm always pretty confident that Nas is going to throw that out. Um, yeah, I mean, those are my guys. So basically, other than the big three that or four that everyone will probably say, it's Jaden McDaniels and uh, McLaughlin. Okay, and, and then I, uh, I'm done with Noel. Okay. I'm done with Noel. By the way, really, he, he can go. Like, I think that he had his little flash, and I think in reality, he's just okay. Like, he's going to be a guy that's that's fine. You know, and and that's it. You know, I, I don't see much upside to him. He's short. He doesn't have a ton of athleticism. He's not that strong. Um, his shot isn't, you know, elite. Um, yeah, I just don't. I'm, I'm done with him. Okay. And then Jared. So who, long term, who do you want to keep on this team? My list is actually pretty short. Um, I'm gonna keep it short and sweet. Um, but my my list is is Towns Beasley. Um, D'Lo and, and Nas really. Um, I know, I know McDaniels is, is a good piece and he's young and he's on a favorable contract, but like something like that, like, like McDaniels and, and Vanderbilt could both be appealing trade pieces just because they do have nice contracts and they are young. Um, and a lot of that to me, like, like if we were to stop this podcast and, and, and look back, Two or three years from now, we can look at guys like Vanderbilt and, and, and Jaden McDaniels and we can look at Vanderpool because that's Vanderpool's deal. Vanderpool's deal is, is playing defense and developing, and developing talent. And that's something we talked about last podcast with uh, coaching. So, so it's kind of an interesting talking point, but, uh, for me, it's, it's pretty short and simple. It's, it's the big four, or it's the big three plus Nas, you know, um, Edwards included. Uh, I'm not sure if I mentioned him yet, but, uh, I'd like to keep Edwards, D'Lo, Cat, Nas, and, uh, Beasley. Beasley, yeah, there's a guy I'm forgetting, but yeah, those five really, I mean, you gotta, you gotta understand, like, we have young guys and we have young talent, but do I think Vanderbilt could be a starter on, 20 teams in the NBA? Yeah, the answer is probably no. Um, and, and same with McDaniels. But I, but I like both of them. They're young, and if we can develop them, maybe they can be something special. But I don't really know when it comes to that. Uh, one thing that I do want to talk about um, before we before we flip it off to you, uh, Gabe, is... Yeah, go ahead. Nas, is Nas Reed... Um, is, is super talented and he's on a great contract like Gabe is, or like, uh, Chris has mentioned many, many times. One player that he kind of reminds me of, and I don't know how, I mean, I follow the league pretty top to bottom, but one player that he really reminds me of is Isaiah Roby from, from the Thunder. And, and I think he might even be a rookie because I haven't heard his name a whole ton, but, uh, I would, I would like to see some comparative stats between Nas Reed and Isaiah Roby. Um, if you got some free time uh, this week, Chris. I'll look it up. Roby's 23, so I'm guessing that he's – he might be a rookie, but he might have played like, uh, you know, four years somewhere or something like that. I like Roby. No, Roby's a solid guy. Um, I, I mean, that's another guy that I wouldn't mind trying to steal from somebody's team, you know. Like that's <laughs> the – you know, those are the kind of players that I could see – Rosas going for guys that are you know not on like well we were talking a little bit before this about the dunk contest and I was talking about how or Gabe mentioned how nobody in there really like nobody cares about anybody in the dunk contest which is you know 100% true but one of the guys is um Anthony Simmons from Portland and that was a guy that I really liked and he's still 21. He's been in the league for a couple of years and, and he's got, you know, some upside. He just doesn't get any run because he's sitting, he's a, you know, point guard, two guard mix and he's sitting behind, you know, McCollum and Lillard. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that, that could absolutely be an option. And for me, I like, like I, like just, I, I wanted to point something out. How about the fact that uh, of the guys that you said, 
two, uh, uh, two out of your past three number one draft picks are not guys that you want to keep in Jared Culver and Josh Akogi. I would say that's a little bit of a, of a red flag for this team, but yeah, um, you know, like I said, Towns and yeah, yeah, I would like to see Jane McDaniels get, get a little more run. Uh, J Mac, I like him a lot. Maybe as a backup, like after when you move Rubio. I mean, maybe you get in a better point guard, maybe in the draft, like a Kate Cunningham or something. But if push comes to shove, I like J Mac. And then, you know, the, the usuals, I mean, Nas Reed, Beasley, of course. I, like you said, I think Beasley's on one of the best, con- like, that was a steal. Like, I think it's even showing so far that, that that Beasley contract was an absolute steal. And then, of course, Carl Anthony Towns. I, I'm still a D'Angelo Russell guy, particularly, like you said, in Minnesota. It's hard to come by. Guys, guys who can actually shoot <laughs> are very hard to come by. And D'Angelo Russell is a guy who can actually shoot. I like I said, I I don't know if he's a max player, but I don't know if it matters just to get some a guy who can shoot in here. I'll, I'll pay top dollar for that. But and then of course Anthony Edwards, you can't give up on him quite yet, and there's no reason to give up on him either because he's been playing pretty well, second among rookies in in uh, in scoring. So, it, but that brings up a question about Carl Anthony Towns that I have seen. Kind of rotating um, throughout the through throughout the Twitter sphere and Facebook sphere is how good is really is Carl Anthony Towns really like? Can he be a number one guy on a contending team? Do, like, do you, do you think he's good enough to be that way? Because I mean, let's 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 look at his stats so far this season, and uh, obviously they've been down this season. Carl Anthony Towns has had. Not the best year, probably, I would say probably overall the worst year of anyone. I mean, losing seven family members, we all know the past. So, uh, 22 points per game, uh, or, let's see here, uh, this regular season, yeah, 22 points per game, 10 rebounds. So, basically, my question is, do you think that Carl Anthony Towns can be the number one guy on a contender? And we'll start with you, Jared. Do you, how good do you think Carl Anthony Towns actually is? Yeah, so so you guys know that that I've talked about Jokic many times and how much I love Jokic, and I, I think that Towns is much like so for me. I, I think I have Towns as the third best center in the NBA, um, slightly behind Embiid, Jokic, and then Towns. Like he's he's just got the ability, and it's so rare to see a seven foot guy be that dynamic to to where he can score, rebound, pass the ball. Defensively, he's got a little bit to work, but he's been a lot better this season. Yeah, and, yep. And for me, like like Towns gets underappreciated because he plays in Minnesota. Like if he was on any other team, he'd be the talk of the league. He'd be right there with with Embiid and Jokic. But because he plays on a seven and twenty nine team, he gets kind of lost in the shuffle. Mm-hmm. And then Chris, so so actually, wait, Jared, do you think uh, do you think he can be? Uh, a number one piece on a contender. I'm not saying like a championship winner, but do you think he could be a number one on a contender? Absolutely. Um, so, like a, a like a comparative team to me would be the Heat. Um, you could say that Butler is still the it guy, and and he's he's he is the it guy. You know, like Butler is a great player, but Bam is their second best player, and I think Cat is a lot better than Bam is. So, so I don't know if he would be the number one guy on that team. It, obviously, we saw it here, but it was it was Cat and Butler. Um, but I, but I would say Cat is much better than Bam still. Okay, all right, a good comparison, Chris. What do you think? Can Cat be the number one guy on a contender? And how good do you think Cat actually is? So if we go back to last year, Cat went you know twenties. I'll round up because that's what they taught me in uh, private in public school. So he went twenty seven <laughs> points a game. 11 rebounds, uh, four and a half assists. Um, I think a better question is, can a center be the number one guy on a championship team nowadays? Um, with the way that everything is like really going towards lead guard or lead forwards, like LeBron, Kawhi, Tatum, um, guys like that that are like the big forward that can handle the ball, um, Luca, um, you know, the, I think unless you structure the entire offense like Denver has around um, Jokic, 
I think it's hard to have a center be the top dog because it's so easy to take a center away because, you know, mm-hmm. the center doesn't bring the ball up. So you've got to get him the ball. Um, obviously, he's not as quick and agile, so it's a little harder to get the ball in his hands sometimes. Um, that's why I think we have trouble with, you know, Cat disappearing in fourth quarters is because team it, it's fairly easy to take a big man away, comparatively speaking, to a guard or a yeah. wing. So I feel like a prime example of something like this would be, like, if the Celtics wanted to run small against the 76ers. Like, who does Embiid guard when they run small? Right. So what I think the way to counter that is be like, well, then we're just going to absolutely beat you up. You yeah. know, and that's what I've, that's what I've always wanted. The Sixers. I, I was a big, I am a big Sixers fan, but I, I was more than am. Um, I loved them when they had, when I thought they could put rosters out there where everybody was like six, eight and above. And I'd be like, you know, go up against Golden State in their small lineup and say, okay, we're just going to post, we're going to mouse in the house Curry every single time, you know, mm-hmm. but you know, I think I think Cat can be that guy, and I think what's more important for Cat, for me, when I'm talking about Cat and his value is he's a max player, right? And if you look at the players, there's about 24 players that are making more money than him, and out of those 24 players, um, about half of them are guys that I think he's better than. Um, so like, I think he's better than Porzingis. I think he's better than Wiggins. I think he's better than Lowry. He's better than Kevin Love. He's better than Tobias Harris. He's mm-hmm. better than Kemba Walker. I think he's better than Mike Conley, personally. Um, he's better than Gr- uh, Blake Griffin. He's better than John Wall. Um, I think and, I, Con- and I I would even say he's better than CP3. I could understand that being an argument, but definitely long-term, he's a guy you want more than CP3. And all those guys are making more money than Cat, so that's about half the guys over him. So it's all I care about is that he's not on a bad contract. And, you know, he, he's making decent money, and he I don't think he's the guy that can take over a team. Like, you're at, basically, Gabe, that's kind of what you're saying. Like, can he take over a game? I don't right. see Cat right now dropping 48 points to win us a game. And I think it's because Cat's biggest weakness is he doesn't have a ton of agility. Like Anthony Davis can come get the ball and he can run off screens on the perimeter. Um, Porzingis can do stuff like that. Um, Cat can't do that. Cat's kind of slow footed because he's got size 75 shoes and <laughs> he just can't really move. You know, like you've got to get him the ball. He's like a finisher. You get him the ball on a pick and pop and he finishes. You get him mm-hmm. on a roll and he finishes. Um, he's not a shot creator. So, I don't think he'll ever be that guy, but I, I think I, I'm happy with him, and I, I don't think we could ever move him. Yeah, for sure. Yep, I, I totally agree. And also when it comes to – I see a lot of complaining online. I'm like, oh, Cat's not as good as – well, like, who else are you going to get? Like, who Like who? Who else is the future of this team? Maybe Anthony Edwards, but, I mean, like, th- there's no proof of that yet. I mean, he's shooting badly from the field, and – like, I, I don't know. I, I just, I feel like there's no better option, so we shouldn't complain. Also, I love watching Carl Anthony Towns play, too. He's a two-time All-Star, so, I mean, that has a little bit of proof in the pudding. I think he's been a little slow this year. Um, maybe it's that's come back from COVID. Maybe it's the bad year he's had. But I think a lot of it is the players that are around him. Yes. Um, well, and yeah. one thing, one thing I just wanted to bring up before we move on to the next topic is, is something I mentioned in our group, and, and I know a lot of people kind of didn't really think about it as much as I did. But like, like look at the Lakers since AD's been out. Like, if you take a max guy out of your lineup, you're not going to be good. Like, I think the Lakers are five and six, with, or or they've lost five out of six without AD or something like that. But like. That's what we were talking about with the Timberwolves. You take a guy like D'Angelo Russell out of their lineup, you're not going to be good. Like you just don't have guys that are good enough to play in those games when you when you take a max player off the floor. Yep, absolutely, for sure, for sure, absolutely. Uh so so I kind of want to so I kind of do like a random question every week. So I kind of wanted to spin it. Last week we talked about 
the most uh, like underachieving teams of so far this season. Who do you guys think has been the most overachieving team so far this season? And I'll go first. I think it's the Portland Trailblazers because they have had um, they haven't had Yusuf Nurkic for a lot of the season, and they haven't had CJ McCollum for a lot of the season. And they're twenty-one and fourteen. Dame is doing amazing things over in Portland. But I'll open it up to you guys. Who do you think is the most overachieving team? And we'll start with you, Chris. Man, that's good. Um, I think I know who I'm going to say. Well, I got a couple teams, actually. Um, I know who you're going to say, too. <laughs> I don't know. If, I don't know if you do. Um, I might say, huh, I, I was, you know, it's easy to say the Jazz or the Suns for me. Um uh, you know, I'll go with the Suns because the Jazz I expect to be good because I think they're so well coached and they've been together for so long. But mm-hmm. I personally thought the Suns were going to take a step back. I thought I thought Kelly losing Kelly Oubre was going to hurt a little more than it did. I think that I, I wasn't I didn't think that CP3 was going to be able to – I don't know if he is the influence that he, that people are giving him credit for or what, but he's definitely – I mean, they're playing amazing ball, so maybe he is. Um, I would say the Suns, you know. Uh, I think they've really got him – I think they've got them going. I think the whole team's playing well. I think they've, you know – They've, they've just showed it, you know, they're, they're well coached, um, you know, everybody seems to know their role. Like it's one of those things that we talked about really early on this podcast is we're a team where literally nobody has a role yet. Like everybody's fighting for the role ahead of them. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like the Suns don't have that. They, everybody knows what their spot is and they do that well. Right. Absolutely. And Jared, who, who would you say is, is your pick? I was actually pretty pretty impressed with Chris's pick in the Suns just because uh, I'm a big CP3 guy, and that dude, wherever he goes, he just wins. So so great call on the Suns. Um, but my two teams, and and I know someone want, someone listening to this podcast wants me to mention the Knicks. That's not going to be my pick, but I, I want to talk about them. So the Knicks are, are fifth in the East right now under Tibbs, um, but they're also – uh, there's also seven teams within three games of them, so let's not get carried away about about the Knicks. But one of the teams that is within those three games is the Charlotte Hornets. And uh, the Charlotte Hornets, to me, have been super surprising just because of how quickly LaMelo has excelled. And I know that, that we do a lot of LaMelo and Edwards comparisons, but, dude, I watched the game. Uh, I think it was the, the Portland Trailblazers and the Charlotte Hornets game uh, last week. And even though Charlotte had lost that game, dude, Lamelo can play. That kid is good, uh, and, and he's he's super young. And and we just played the Hornets as well. And I'm sure we'll talk about that before we part, do our parting ways. But but dude, the the Hornets are good, and and they're gonna make the playoffs. I don't care what anybody says. Mm-hmm. And Rozier, I, I think they'll be. Oh, go ahead. Rozier is a monster. Hayward is a monster. Like those two guys have taken huge step ups from last year. Both of those guys could be up for play, uh, most improved player of the year. Um, yeah, they're they're playing well and, and Ball's a stud. Yep, absolutely. And I think there'll be a big push for because particularly with the Eastern Conference, there's a little lack of. I I don't know. It's just it feels like on the lower tier. Um, the, of the lower tier, there's a little lack of pizzazz in the Eastern Conference, but I, I think they'll be, I think the NBA really wants them to make the playoffs so they can, um, model the first round, like, can LaMelo do it? Can LaMelo take down, uh, like, uh, let's see right now, like a Nets or a 76ers or LaMelo against the best, like, a, against a Ben Simmons or a Kyrie Irving? I think that the NBA would love if the Hornets made the playoffs. Um, yeah, absolutely. So as, as Jared was kind of saying, we, we can kind of touch on it, um, briefly here. Um, because we've kind of, with the Timberwolves, particularly in the past couple weeks, there's not much worth, um, talking extensively, um, about, like, the games, because we know they're just going to lose, um, <laughs> for the most part, as, as bad as that sounds. So, for example, this week, every game was the double digit loss, 
Um, and we lost to the Wizards by double digits. We lost to the Suns by double digits and the Hornets. Let's just say that game got a little out of hand. So what was, what was your major takeaway from this week of action? And we'll start with you, Chris, uh, from watching the Wolves. What was your major takeaway? What I was kind of just trying to look at, because I know we can't really, he did, you know, Finch didn't really put in much of an offense yet. Um, mm-hmm. Although he did have a quote where he said after the All-Star game, he's going to have huge changes on offense and on defense, which I thought was pretty surprising because we still have our defensive coordinator uh, who Rosas handpicked. So that was kind of interesting that he mentioned defense. But what I would say I was most interested in was um, Lehman. Got a bunch of, but got a bunch of run. He got 30 minutes one game. Um, that was pretty wild. Um, but he, but he's looked solid. I mean, I've been, I think we've all been saying this from the beginning. Um, Layman is a very solid basketball player. Like, he's not going to drop 30 on you, but he's also not going to be the guy who makes you lose the game. Like, I, I, I like Layman. I think he's a, a decent guy. Um, so Layman getting a lot of minutes was new to me, and the, the lack of minutes for Jaden McDaniels was kind of interesting to me. He got a couple games where he had like, you know, seven minutes or fourteen minutes or something like that. He, he not very much. Um, so that was I didn't love that, but I did like at one point I saw Cat and Nas on the court together, and it worked well. Um, so it's just I mean, like you said, we can't take much from right now. Um, I'll be real interested in the first week after the All-Star break to see what has changed, what kind of, like, are we running this, you know, two-man game on each wing kind of thing? Like, what what are we doing with our offense and, and what the lineups are? So that's going to mm. be fun to see. Absolutely. Uh, Jared, your takeaway from this week of subpar action. Uh, my biggest takeaway from this week was uh, the third quarter. Um, I remember watching mm-hmm. the Hornets game briefly. I was working when it happened, but like, I remember looking up in the second quarter, we were up by like six points, and then we were down six going into the half, and then Tor- Terry Rozier hit like six straight threes, and the game was basically over. But like, the similar things happened in the Suns game when Cat went to the bench. I believe he went to the bench late in the third quarter. And we were within four or five points almost the whole game. Cat goes to the bench, and then they're up by 20. So so the third quarter was was kind of the the key quarter for me this week, where, where that's where we lost games was in the third quarter. Um, and, and talking about Finch, um, I've heard so many people, and you guys included, but, but other people that have, have, have said to me, Nas and and Cat play so well when they're together, but they're almost never on the floor together. So I wonder if that's in 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 the works with what Finch is trying to do offensively is get those two on the floor together more often. And then as far as defense goes, I mean, I can't be mad at Finch for wanting to try something new defensively. I mean, we give up 130 a game, damn near. It seems, anyways. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, it feels like we're playing good, decent defense at the beginning, and then it just, uh, like like you said, once we get to the third quarter or something like that, it all spirals out of control. Because, like you said, we're in games. Like, even if, I'm, even if I miss a game of watching my phone, it's like, oh, okay, it's 64 to 61. We're in this one. We, we got a shot at this one. And then it just spirals completely out of control. So we got to, we got to kind of, um, learn how to, how to, how to manage that. And, uh, last thing for this week, guys, it is all-star weekends. Um, so I gotta ask you, um, and I know it's not the biggest deal, but, uh, let's start with the skills challenge. Robert Covington, a familiar face, Luka Doncic, Chris Paul, Julius Randle, DeMontis Sabonis, who I love, and Nikola Vucevic. Who do you think wins the skills challenge? Go ahead, uh, Jared. Oh, you, you guys know who I'm gonna pick. It's my guy CP3. He's been doing it for years. Uh, he's my he's my pick in the skills challenge for sure. All right, and then uh, Chris. Yeah, I mean, skills challenge is a timed event, right? And there's yeah. two passing drills, correct? Yes. Yeah, I'm gonna take CP3 over all those <laughs> slow-footed bigs. Um, and I mean, 
to 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 jump on the bandwagon, Mr. Good. Um CP3 I think is one of the most underrated point guards ever. I say that he is at, he is a top 5 point guard in my mind. Um I can't say I've always enjoyed watching him play because for a while there he was one of the hugest whiners on the court. Um so that gets old, but just as a ball player, he's a stud. Yeah, absolutely. And I think he's proven that at every single stop that, that he's made. Uh, so three point contests, Mike Conley, Jalen Brown, Steph Curry, Zach. Oh, I didn't make my pick. Yeah, I'll also go with Paul. Uh, Stephen Curry, Zach Levine, who I'm glad to see in it, uh, Donovan Mitchell and Jason Tatum. Curry's going to win this, right, Chris? Uh, no, I think, uh, I think we're going to go with a former dunk champion. Oh, you're going to go with Zach? I'm going to go with Zach, you know, like, you know, Curry's got so much on his back, like everyone thinks he's going to do it. I mean, I want Zach to just – I want him to show out. Yeah, and it, it would be cool for uh, for him to win a three-point contest and a dunk contest. That, that would be really cool. Jared, Has that ever been done? I don't know. I'd, I'd have to go to the history books for I that. Know but. Jordan, I know Jordan was in the three-point contest before, but um, did poorly. I think. I'm almost positive, but I could be wrong. Going to, as Jared gives his answer, I'm going to look it up. As, as Lee Corso once said, not so fast, my friends. Donovan Mitchell is going to win this, and the reason why is he's either going to score five or he's going to score 24. There's nowhere <laughs> in between. Like, he's either going to put it in the bucket or he's not. So I'm going to take a, a long shot on Mitchell uh, putting the ball in the bucket. All right, according to Quora.com, um, no player has ever won a dunk contest and a three-point contest. Uh, yeah, so th- this could be an historic weekend. Um, and then, uh, so, and honestly, I, I am, I'm, so I'm gonna go with Curry. It's the easy pick, but I don't know. I can see Curry winning a dunk contest. F, what is it? Efrany or Enferny Simmons, Cassius Stanley, and Obi Toppin. And you'll be forgiven if you've never heard of Cassius Stanley. But um, who who do you think wins? Cassis. Cassis. Uh, I'll I'll take Obi Toppin, uh, just okay. because uh, he can jump out of the gym. He's athletic. Uh, I, I posted something earlier today about this uh, Cassius Stanley guy. He's zero for two in career dunk attempts. <laughs> but somebody fired back and said he's got a 45-inch vertical, and it might have been Chris. I can't remember, but uh, yeah, give me give me Toppin. Uh, let's get the feel-good story. He's had a, a poor rookie season, so let's let him win the dunk contest uh, for sure. Uh, and then, uh, oh, go ahead, go ahead. Chris. I will make a prediction. Somebody, and I'll probably say it's going to be Toppin is going to jump over some first responders. I guarantee it. There's going to be a lineup of nurses in their scrubs, and somebody's going to do a game dunk over them, and the crowd's going to go crazy, and they're going to get a 50. Yeah, I, I could. What, you, you said that in, post, or in the pre-show, and I thought about it. And I'm like, in this year, yeah, that's probably going to happen. That's probably going to happen. And then, of course, the All-Star game, Team LeBron, you got Giannis, Steph, Luka, Jokic, Jalen Brown, Paul George, Rudy Gobert, Damian, Chris, Sabonis, and Simmons, Team Durant, Beal, uh, Embiid, Kyrie, Kawhi, uh, Jason Tatum, Booker, who's out, so... Um, so no, no Davis either. So add in Mike Conley, James Harden, Zach Levine, uh, Julius Randle, and Zion Williamson and Vucevic. I think LeBron. I think Team LeBron is gonna wipe the floor. And I know that Giannis said that as well in his press conference. But who do you got, Chris? Team LeBron or Team Durant? Um, s- skill wise, I go Team LeBron. Um, the one thing that's the X factor in these sort of games is. Um, I'm going to call it like the Adrian Peterson factor. So when Adrian Peterson went to the Pro Bowl, um, he ran for like 200 yards one year, and it's because mm-hmm. he tried so much harder than everybody else, and nobody was like really in the mood to like tackle, and Adrian Peterson was going 100% of the 
every snap. So two guys that, that are those type of um, guys that are just going to like could bully ball people and when people don't really want to try hard is Zion and um, Giannis. So between the Greek freak and Zion, it's going to depend on which one um, doesn't turn off their motor and doesn't understand that this is a showcase. And I could see Zion going for like 30 points because he just is going to take it hard to the rim and nobody's interested in taking a charge. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I could see that too. And you know Zion's going to want to show out in his first All-Star game too. And uh, so, Jared, who do you got, Team LeBron or Team Durant? So I got I got Team LeBron on paper by about ten to fifteen, but I will add this: uh, um, Team Durant has two heat factor guys, uh, and and when I talk about heat factor, that's that's like when we talked about like D'Lo shooting early in the clock because he he thinks he's got it going on, and so the two heat factor guys that I have are are James Harden and Bradley Beal. Like if those guys are making buckets, I mean look out. I mean that that game's going to be the All Star game. There's never played. There's never defense played anyway. So that's true. I mean, you you get you get guys that can shoot threes. I mean, I, I like that side for Durant, but but on paper, I, I think Team LeBron wins by a comfortable margin. Yeah, I, I, yeah. Go ahead. Beal and Harden are the they. Those both guys have something to prove. Like Beal feels like he's always underappreciated. And Harden's got this whole like I you know I went to New York and everybody was saying I was fat like I want to show that I'm a stud still like um, mm-hmm. he wants to he wants to be in the MVP race which he's deserving right now um, yeah that's a good call yeah and I am also going to go Team LeBron I just think that there's too much talent on Team LeBron and uh, yeah I, I I got Team LeBron also uh, showing my cards here I'm a LeBron guy so I got to go. Team LeBron. So uh, I think that's going to wrap up this week's episode of the Everything's Coming Up Timberwolves podcast. Chris, Jared, thanks so much for joining joining us this week. Thank you. As always. Awesome. And uh, make sure to like, share, and subscribe on Facebook and follow us if you're listening on Spotify. And this has been another Everything's Coming Up Timberwolves podcast. And as always, go Wolves.